This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The Property Show on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. I'm Wong Xiaoning and this is The Property Show. A United Nations-led report shows that in 2021, the construction and operation of buildings accounted for 37% of global energy-related CO2 emissions and this figure continues to climb as economies reopen. So as we increase our commitment to carbon neutrality, green-rated developments have seen solid growth over the years. Now today, we look at Malaysia's first comprehensive green rating system, which is the Green Building Index. Serena Hijas, Chairman of the Green Building Index Accreditation Panel, otherwise known as GBIAP, joins us to tell us how we can build more responsibly for the future generations. Good morning, Serena. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thank you very much for this invitation to speak at BFM. I'm really excited about this. Okay, so let me start at the very beginning. How does one get green status for a building? What is the criteria that is imposed by GBIAP? Well, we, we don't impose anything. You know, at the, at the moment, going green, as we would say, or greening, we, we, we wrote a book some time ago called Greening Malaysia. And, and really, that's where we're trying to move forward to. Um, it's not mandatory. So it's a voluntary uh, system of accreditation of your building. And whether you're a residential or you're doing a township or you're doing an airport or whatever, other type of building typology, there's main six criterias or categories uh, that we look at in in greening a building. One is energy efficiency. uh, The other one's indoor environmental quality, sustainable site and planning, uh, materials and resources, water efficiency, and lastly, we allow some form of innovation for Mm. any type of building that you're doing and you're wanting to go green. Yeah. Okay, but does this take into account our own local considerations like climate and cultural cultural needs? Because it's the first time Malaysia has a comprehensive green rating system. Right? Is oh, it absolutely. unique to us? Yes, absolutely. Um, it's the it's only second tropical tool in the world. Uh, Malaysia, uh, Malaysia and then there's Singapore. So mm-hmm. there's only two tropical tools. So it's uh, adapted to our climate. So it's written specifically for our climate. It's also written specifically for Malaysia. Um, Malaysia, Singapore, Thailand, they have different requirements. They're at different stages of um, growth, shall we say. So really the tool is written for Malaysia itself. What's um, unique for us? Uh, well, for example, if, if you wanted to take a tool that was from America or from Australia, yeah. their climate is totally different. So temperature, um, you know, tropical adaptive heat island effect, um, our water usage is different. So we've written the tool with regards to responding to um, if you were to construct in Malaysia. And it's mm. something that's doable by everybody. Um, so whether you're doing your own bungalow or you're doing a condominium, um, it doesn't matter because the requirements in there are basically taken into consideration if you're building in Malaysia. And we've also adopted all the requirements in Malaysia, for like example, MASMA um, and um, QLASIC, all these requirements on construction that is in Malaysia is really adapted into this tool. Okay, so it's for everybody it's for everybody, yeah. All right. So let's say I want to build a, a new building and I'm, a, I'm a, like an office owner, yeah. right? I'm into commercial property. So let's start with that. Where do I begin to ensure that I comply with this green rating system? 
at the very beginning when I see my architect? At what point does it start to matter to me? I think the initiative to go green um, from any of the clients has to start whether they want to um, meet certain targets mm. and whether they want to uh, meet ESG or SDG requirements. Um, so big corporations are now looking at ESG elements and SDG. And we say the built form is the lowest hanging fruit. Okay. You want to get it, you want to get it right when you build. Um, and so we say start at the beginning because the considerations from passive design elements that you put into the building is much better if we can put all the passive elements up front mm. and then put in the active systems. When I say active systems, it's your air conditioning, you know, mm. it's your electrical and all those components. So we say start from the beginning if that's your intent. Yeah. Okay. So what's the process like? And of course, we have to ask, is there additional cost if you do <laughs> want to have green accreditation? You, you know, there's, a, there's this uh, there's this gap in knowledge, I think, uh, and perception uh, mm. that going green is expensive. Um, you know, the, the Green Building Index is now in its 12th year. Uh, and we actually have to prove to you that, you know, to, to do a green certified building, which is of benefit to yourself, um, mm. the, the incremental cost may be as little as 1%. Okay, so do they have to pay a fee to this panel? And they then do have to pay a fee. The reason is that, you know... Um, and they do have to, they don't need to engage in a facilitator. They can actually do it themselves. Okay, so they don't need like an architect, for example, to make, to... To do the submission? Yeah. Um, uh, they don't need to. They can do it by themselves if they have a, some, someone who's trained in doing green facilitation. Mm. Or um, they can try to do it themselves if they've got some engineering and architectural background. Um, because it's really accumulating the information and guiding also what to look for okay. um, when you're doing a green building. So I suppose, let's say if we talk about a complicated office building, there would of course be an architect. Is And, you know, I just want to know the process. Is it a negotiation, sit down with the panel and there's a checklist that goes, that we have that he has to go through or she has to go through? What's the process like? Is it very cumbersome? And there, there is a, there is a, for want of a better word, a checklist. Mm. I, I call it a guiding a guiding list, basically. Okay. Um, so the criteria are basically guiding you. You know, you're looking at energy efficiency. Okay, so you have to think about, you know, how can I make my building more energy efficiency? Um, it's about the thermal property of the building. How can I make it sort of cooler mm. um, for the inhabitants of that building? So um, all of these are really... In some ways, they are very practical. Mm. Um, but yes, we have made it into a criterion list. Nothing there is um, mandatory except to be below a certain thermal property on the building uh, uh, facade and on the roof because really Heat Island is going to be the main uh, problem going forward in terms of climate change. And are there any tax incentives provided for by the government for buildings to be green rated? Because that's I, you know, policy always is important, right? Yeah, policy. Look, policy is definitely going to push the envelope. Mm. <laughs> uh, to to for want of a better pun, there are two tax incentives. It's called Gita and Gite. Uh, one is really looking at um, the. Uh, additional costs to go green. So it's uh, above and beyond the normal construction to go green. Um, it's verified uh, within a GBI, basically, whether you can basically get that tax incentive. And the tax incentive is a deduction 
on your following year's tax based on the incremental cost that you have been certified uh, that you had actually spent. Mm. That doesn't mean that you go out and buy a gold tap that has, you know, <laughs> low water running and sort of try to claim from it, you know. So you can go green, we always say, we always make this pun. You can go with a Prius or you can go with a Tesla. So both of them are, you know, uh, energy efficient, fuel efficient, et cetera, et cetera. But one is really more cost effective and the other one is less cost effective. So it depends on, you know, what you want to put into your building. Okay. And so far, what's been the interest? I mean, uh, who, has, who, who are like your, the people that approach the panel? Is it mainly commercial buildings, owners, or is it like individuals like myself who perhaps want to, to start my dream home, build my dream home? Um, I think um, only those who are conscientious. Uh, there are a lot of people who've built their building to be, how do you say, uh, more passive design. Yes. Uh, more consideration on their thermal uh, qualities of their roof. Insulation is one of the, the top lines that you need to do. Um, and they don't go green. So there mm. are those who actually do that. They don't need the certification. They're, they actually may look at the list and sort of say, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm just not going to submit it in. I don't need to have a certification of some kind to say my building's green. I'll, I'll follow what's um, in line, mm. what, what's requirement. But what we've seen is that the commercial, uh, the big, the bigger companies who are looking to build for the masses and sell, uh, they are looking to go green. And it's interesting that, you know, uh, when you ask how, how much has been built up, about half of that is commercial, the other half is residential. But the residential is probably um, more high-rise and multiple ho housing. So, okay. for example, if you've got you know, a real estate location and you're building 250 homes, then you're looking to sort of get a green certification on that and provide green homes. And tied with that at the moment is there are incentives, uh, well, shall I say, is it as financial loan incentives that mm. are in the financial systems? The CIMBs, the Maybank, you know, the Hong Leongs, the, they're all also looking to give loans, better rates in loans if you're going green and yeah. have a certification. That was my next question, though, because like you, like you mentioned, financial institutions, right, they play a, a crucial role in this transition into this low-carbon world. And you've yes. talked about this rolling out of financing of green certified buildings. Without them, would we have much traction? And do we really need, I mean, you know, you know how useful are what... what programs they offer in terms of getting more developers, which I, I can sense that most of it is commercially driven, to yeah. consider getting uh, certified? I, I think in the last three years, uh, when we went through, when all of us went through the whole pandemic and everyone was concentrated on the microphone mm. and on Zooms and all the rest of it, um, there was a lot more push to address ESG. Um, and in targeting the ESG for big corporations, all of them have to basically show what is the improvement on the environmental sustainable goals that they're doing within. Mm. So I think there's been a huge push in that. And financial, because of Bursa, also have meant that big push. But really, what we really need after 12 years, it's not mandatory in this country. We really need to shift gears. On the Property Show this morning, we are speaking to Serena Hijas, Chairman of the Green Building Index Accreditation Panel. After the break, should Malaysia consider enforcement of building energy codes BFM 89.9?
BFM 89.9, you tune into the Property Show. Today joining us for a conversation on the Green Building Index is Serena. He just chairman of the Green Building Index Accreditation Panel. So Serena, I wanted to talk about existing buildings. So if it's new, yes, you can start from the ground up. But what if you're an existing building? Can you turn green? Can I get a you know accreditation from your panel or is the process just too painful and too arduous? Well, actually, existing buildings are totally different uh, in that sense because they've already been built. Some of them are five, ten years old. Um, mm. You know, they, they weren't built in the same with the same idea uh, of going green. Um, so the tool that has been um design for existing buildings is specific to existing buildings. Okay. It's recognizing that there are only there there is essential things that you need to do. You can't change the sustainable site because it's not where you're located or all the rest of it. So the focus is really and the focus anyway going forward is really around energy efficiency, thermal property of your building. Um, the what we call the OTTV, the BEI, the building energy intensity. Mm. That means how much your it's like how much uh, mileage do you get from your building, mm. for want of a better word, um, and that you can half that amount of energy. Um, so we look at those things as the critical things. So um, so the focus in terms of the tools and the points to get over and get into certification focuses on these areas. But mm. is it worth doing? It definitely is because, you know, buildings after 10 years need to be revamped. They yeah. need anyway, refurbishment anyway, they, right? They, they really need a longer shelf life for mm. one of for want of a better word, but also because their systems, operating systems in, when we talk about this is obviously in commercial buildings, um, the shelf life on the systems uh, for the mechanical electrical need to be looked at. Sometimes it's about balancing it again. Sometimes it's about changing those systems anyway. So why not retrofit your building and go green at the same time? Now, of course, the property show is part of the morning run and we always like to talk dollar and cents. <laughs> so, you know, have building owners that have been certified been able to translate this upfront cost into higher yields, you know, better rents? Do they get, um, do they get to do this? I mean, do they, like, are, are there certain tenants that only want green buildings? Um, yes. Um, so all the big corporations and also I think the midline corporations um, um, perhaps I'm not sure about the startups, mm. um, whether they are also having this uh, view. But, you know, as the SDGs are rolling in, um, their requirement of um, supply chain, what we call the supply chain back up to the corporations. So everyone from the you know startups to the medium to whatever that are supplying up also have to have an ESG mm. uh, and they also have to meet these requirements. So we're finding what we're finding, for example, in Penang is the factories up there are self um, are changing themselves to go green, the existing ones, by putting renewable energy, solar power on top yeah. of their roof. Um, they're looking at uh, ga gas connection, if there's gas connection there, and actually having their own chillers uh, to become more efficient. Um, and people like Hershey, for example, they're always upgrading themselves. So they started with gold and now they want to go to platinum mm. um, because they are seeing the reduction. Um, some manufacturers are seeing that, you know, their energy uh, reduction has gone down. Now that solar and the, the grid 
is uh, the the cost is almost at par. So the the electricity bill has come down. The electricity mm. bill has gone down. So they're seeing that benefit. Okay. Yeah. What about the concept of mandatory building energy codes? Are you for it? I mean, will this really shift the needle in me- in meeting net zero emissions? Because so far, all this is voluntary, right? This accreditation. Yes. So if we push as a nation towards having these mandatory energy codes, building codes, do you think it it will really work in favour for like our goals towards our climate change? We have been waiting for the EE Act, uh, the Energy Efficiency mm-hmm. Act, to come out for it's three years past its line, basically. Um, you know, we started out at the same time as Singapore when we came in with our MS1525, which is the Malaysian Standard of Energy Efficiency. We came up with the Green Building Index at the, around about the same time, mm. um, all to address, you know, uh, uh, people in Malaysia. And we're a little bit behind. You know, in, in terms of the Green Technology Master Plan, which is 2017 to 2030, the growth and priorities, they should already be putting this mandatory in. And uh, if we say that 85% is the existing building blocks that we have here, the existing buildings, mm. the only way to transform that is to give a period of time. So somebody like Singapore has basically said 80% of the existing buildings must meet um, uh, to go green by mm. 2030. So... What is the reason for this delay? Who is it, or is it a question of who is dragging their feet? <laughs> I think the change of government hasn't really helped us. As okay. We've had an evolving change, you know, three different. Uh, when when it was al- already written um, uh, to be rolled out, we've had basically three different changes of government, mm. um, and that has slowed down uh, this um, initiation to put it out. I don't know what's in the EE Act, whether the mandatory requirements of greening and also whether they're setting standards that is 30% reduction or 50% reduction. Okay, so have they engaged with with organisations like y'all because you are a part of the, you know, at least one of the major stakeholders? Um, there, there have been many people that have been part of the engagement. Mm. Uh, so the uh, Institute of Engineering, the, you know, the PAM and all the rest of it, they've all been in, engaged in it. Uh, personally, I've not been engaged, so I'm not privy to what's going in and anyway if it was we won't be able to speak about it anyway mm. until it's released so um, no I think I guess we are hoping that when it comes out the E Act that there is this form of mandatory by and you can give a transformation date you know you can say within five years mm. but you also have to set a target Yeah. because you know to go certified we say that energy reduction is about 30% you need to go up to something like gold to have a 50% reduction of energy. Mm. And really by 2030, all buildings in Malaysia should be at a 50% reduction. If we are trying to meet this climate change and Paris Agreement, we don't have much time. There's only like seven years to absolutely, go. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I do have a question though about uh, making buildings more climate change resilient. Does the current green building index takes into, take into account this? Uh, taking the 1.5 degree climate change, um, it means that you have to be aware of rising seas. Mm. So any, any buildings that are on the waterfront has to uh, mitigate this, have to be prepared because we are or- the ball is already rolling. Yes. Um, it takes, uh, you know, if you, if you look at the, the hole in the earth on the top, it took 30 years uh, even before 
uh, it started to reduce when we actually cut uh, this uh, gases from the atmosphere. So whatever is happening now is is surprising during the pandemic that the CO two levels didn't really reduce very much, and yes. that's because. It's catch-up time. From There's the a lag effect, right? Almost. It's a lag effect, absolutely. Mm. To do a green... Yes, we are semi-prepared for it. We have put some things in it. The thermal property of your building is really important, um, but not all of it. And actually, actually, at the moment, we're in transition to... Because the tool is not... Um, it's not fixed. Uh, every three to four years, we actually evolve and up the levels. So we're actually integrating because now at the moment, we've got health and well-being integrated into there because we have the environmental IQ. We have water efficiency. We're now pushing that to be um, embodied energy considerations um, so that we, we are calculating the CO2 from energy efficiency, but we're not calculating it from embodied. That means the building materials. Mm. So we're looking at that and we're looking at updating a little bit more in terms of site planning. So this aspect of uh, 1.5 degrees, you know, uh, temperature rise and rising sea. Mm. So the two things that's going to hit us hardest in Malaysia in a tropical belt is going to be heat island effect and water. Yeah, we already saw the effects of floods, right? Um, okay, since I have you right in front of me, I have to ask a, a question re- relating to, let's say, homeowners like myself. What can I do to make my building, my own home, a little bit more green? What are the simple things I can do? Okay, um, you know, when somebody says greening, immediately you think, oh, I'm going to put more plants on the balcony and all the rest of it, <laughs> which actually happened in the pandemic. You know, people actually couldn't get out and they started to green their balconies so that because they were stationary at home. Um, you need to cool down your building. Um, you know, you need to insulate your roof um, because... I live in a house now that's uh, ten years old. I'm in the, I'm in the top floor, the third mm-hmm. floor of a sem, of a terrace house, and it's definitely not insulated. So I'm thinking I need to insulate it. I can put some solar power on top of my roof for day use. Um, I can put a water uh, harvesting tank inside uh, as well so that I can actually have some water capture for those days that we may not have uh, water supply. Um, and then I really do need to think about shading my, my my windows and all the rest of it. So these are the immediate things you can do. Uh, the other one is buying um, appliances that are already uh, energy efficient. Energy efficient. Um, not not only is going to cut down your air conditioning bills, mm. um, but you know uh, your fridge, you know your washing machine, everything, your appliances. Yes, essentially, yeah. those are the low hanging fruits to consider. These are all the low hanging fruits to consider. On that note, thank you for your time on the property show today. Was Serena Hijas, chairman of the Green Building Index Accreditation Panel? Coming up next, we have the ten a.m. news bulletin, followed by Enterprise. Stay tuned, BFM eighty nine point nine. The Property Show on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.